Can we put our hands together and welcome this couple? Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Why don't we just all stand to our feet and we're going to just pray, and not just pray. Uh, we're going to pray. And Lord, in fact, why don't you take 30 seconds to ask that the Holy Spirit will speak something life-changing to you, okay? Not just another message, but within the message, God will say something really special to you. So would you take 30 seconds, just do that silently in your heart. That would be great. So Lord, we ask that you would just in, in your grace speak to every heart and every life here tonight. Lord, it's not by accident that we're together. You've got something to say to the church in Blenheim. It's represented here. I pray every church, every pastor, every minister, every leader, every vicar will hear something from you tonight. And that, Lord, the church in Blenheim will take another step up. That this will be a night of significance. That, Holy Spirit, you will, you will propel the church here in this town to another level of influence, another level of your presence and power, we pray. Another level of your grace. We admit our weakness. We admit that we need you. We humble our hearts before you. And say, come, Lord Jesus, and strengthen your body in this town and bless this message, these messages, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Um, it's a thrill and an honor to be speaking at a combined churches event. We, we love the body of Christ. We go across the body of Christ. We've been in every stream and every denomination in different countries. And we just love the fact that people love Jesus, and that's cool. We, our home church is Church Unlimited in Auckland. Some of you will know Pastor Tark Barney. You might see him on Shine, and we're on the leadership team there. Uh, but they graciously release us to travel 90% of the time, so we get the thrill of moving across the body of Christ. And I'm particularly thrilled to be back in my hometown. There's nothing like the place you were born in, and it's just great to be here um, my sweetheart, this is my sweetheart, isn't she gorgeous? I think she's beautiful, and she is uh, a wonderful partner in life and in ministry, and has a significant prophetic ministry in her own right, and she's just going to share for the first few minutes just something that she feels God has put on her heart. I haven't even heard it yet, so I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> right. Well, it, it is just really, um, it is a great honor and privilege to, to really share with you tonight so what I, I'm just going to share very, very briefly um, a bit of a big picture um, prophetic perspective and uh, touching on it lightly and where Blenheim fits into it. Um, in the years ahead, I've sensed that there's going to be a convergence of many past prophetic words. It's as if things are building to up to a climax, coming together in fulfillment with rapid acceleration. I believe the greatest and the most difficult days for the church lie ahead. Um, these are days of intensifying spiritual storms and warfare in the earth. We see in increasing wickedness, great turmoil, and, and rising ideological conflicts, etc., 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 the most difficult days, and they are going to get more difficult. That's okay because the Lord's intention is a fresh outpouring of his Holy Spirit for revival in his people and a great awakening in the nation. There's an unprecedented harvest of salvation coming. The greatest days for the church lie ahead. Where the church 
will rise up. When we were worshiping, I was, um, well, where's our amazing drummer? I was hearing this, thank you. You are just picking up. It was an anointed sound from heaven. I was picking up that a militant beat when we sang that, that song about a fresh wind and Holy Spirit, you know, being poured out on us. Because God is calling his warrior bride to arise and to shine like never before and to move forward in the purposes of God to release the kingdom. And, and this is God's heart for you in Blenheim. Um, and that is why I really sense that tonight, it's interesting that David used the word significant. I felt tonight is a very significant step um, for, for yourselves for a move of God in Blenheim and this region. Um, you have come together in unity. And uh, I just loved what Shannon shared. It is, it is just spot on. And then there's that second step of coming together, um, another second step for action, and that is prayer. And there's more of that. And you are already doing this, but I feel God's calling you to another level way beyond. It's going to be more than, than, than coffee and fellowship and sharing. The prayer, I feel God's going to breathe fire on it, not just on the, the leaders meeting together, but on all your churches, that, that God is going to really breathe on that. You know, Acts 1.14, the believers all met together. This word together, together is underlined all the time, and we're constantly united in prayer. Prayer is the precursor of all things. It is a catalyst for God's will to be done and his kingdom to come on earth here in Blenheim as it is in heaven. The Lord wants you to be part of the global army he is raising up around the world. He's, he's, he's wanting prayer warriors. This is where, you know, a bride is in, loves passionately her bridegroom. It's Jesus. And the warrior bride, we've got to fight um, for the lost souls. So we have to be warriors. And prayer is one of our greatest Weapons, it's like an intercontinental ballistic missile, our prayer. And last year, God confirmed these truths in a dream where I saw revival being birthed by the church in prayer. It's prayer that will birth it. Um, and the number two featured clearly in the dream. And you know what two symbolizes? It symbolizes oneness and unity. So there's that prayer and unity again. And, you know, all those things that I said, stand together, fight together, work together. It's all we, we, we do it in love and humility. But in addition, it's all done by the power of the Holy Spirit and by his grace alone. We desperately need the Holy Spirit and his power. We can do nothing in our own efforts and strength. And um, th that is what I love about Jesus' promise. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses everywhere. And John the Baptist said of Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Where's Jacob? The, the Salvation Army people, send the fire. Send the fire. Send the fire. That's what we've got to be crying out to, shouting out to heaven to do again. And that, that happened on Pentecost when the, the believers were all meeting together. And we read in Acts 2, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring or the rushing of a mighty wind. And it filled the whole house and they saw tongues of fire came to rest on some of them. 
each of them and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. It's for every single one of us, every son and daughter without exception. And Joel's prophecy was partially fulfilled then, but we believe there's a complete fulfillment coming when God pours out his spirit on all people across the earth. And God's affirmed this in prophetic words and visions and dreams that I've seen. He's God's spoken to David. He's spoken to many others, all the same thing. So we believe this is coming soon. And Jesus is saying to us, his church, get ready, get prepared. And I feel that tonight God wants to baptize us afresh with the Holy Spirit and fire. He always has more for us. I'm, I want more. I, we were singing that, and I sing that from my heart. I want more of him. And some of you, it might even be the first time if you are hungry. Um, he wants to release more fire and power for us to be bold witnesses with accompanying signs, wonders, and miracles. Um, at a whole new level. This is his norm. And there's always, God is always taking us beyond our natural abilities into the supernatural realm. The ultimate purpose of the fire of God is for us to partner with the Holy Spirit in an unprecedented harvest of salvation of the nations. And, you know, some of you, it might be here. You might, or you might be sent to other places in our country or overseas. And, um, you know, in one dream, I saw tongues of fire falling on God's people in many places across the earth. And I felt Jesus say, I will release tongues of fire upon everyone who wants it. As long as we're hungry and we want it, the, the Lord would love to do it. And he said, I will raise up an army of burning ones as my fire falls. And that's, that's a, a regular prayer of David and me. We want to be part of these burning ones. We want to burn for Jesus. And... Um, He's just looking for ordinary people who say, you know, Lord, I want more of you and use me as a conduit for your supernatural love and power to transform lives in my world. Set my heart on fire with love for you. And that's what Song of Songs 8 says. It says, love burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. And I feel the Holy Spirit tonight wants to impart a fresh fire of passionate love for Jesus. And I feel there are, there are some tonight, the, the fire's dimmed right down, and there's just embers. But the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, the wind of God, is going to breathe on your embers, and I just see the flames rising up again. And some of you, you're already on fire, and God is saying, higher fire, more fire. That's what I want. I got my hand up for that. Jesus, yes. And I just feel that, that heaven is putting this cry in in the heart of God's people everywhere. Spirit come, fire fall. And as we pray it, God will do it. And we can see the kingdom come in Brenham and our beautiful nation of New Zealand. Thank you, sweetheart. There is hope. If you can bring that title slide up, guys, there is hope uh, for our nation and for you. Hey, um, yeah. The Elam people were really greedy this morning. They brought most of the books, so you're going to have an, a mighty praying church, we hope. But uh, there's a couple of copies, but listen, that's the, that's the new book just released, How to Pray and Change Your World. And if your prayer life's almost zero or you're a prayer warrior, this book will just help you go another level. Uh, you know, prayer is really uh, one of the things that must be lit in our lives. Uh, I quoted Charles Spurgeon this morning. Uh, he said, when a great Baptist preacher, 
whenever God wants to do a great work, He first sets His people to pray. If you want God to do a great work in your life, your marriage, your family, your kids, your vocation, your ministry, your church, our nation, and the world, we've we got to allow the Holy Spirit to set us praying. So this book will really help. So it's only a couple of copies are there, but um, you can order. There's a website there. You can order off our website, uh, an e-book or a paper version. You can go to Amazon if you want a Kindle version. And where's Deo? This one is for you because you're my brother's pastor. And you need special grace. <laughs> no. I'm speaking here tonight, so I, I intend to, I, I really wanted to oh, come here. Bless you, here. Deo. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. There is hope. You know, 60 or 70 years ago, people were really very God conscious. I know a number of you weren't born then, but 60, to, and I, I wasn't born 70 years ago, okay, so I'm just laying that out. But 60 to 70 years ago, most people in New Zealand went to church. Their kids went to Sunday school. Uh, there was a belief in heaven and hell and in God. There was a, a sense of, um, you know, there'd be a judgment day, and there was a life after death. Most people had that consciousness, but just over the decades, starting in the 1960s, it's almost like that, if you think of a flourishing tree, a tall tree of God consciousness in our nation, just the enemy came and he began to lop off the top boughs and there was a, a move of liberalism in the 60s and then, you know, the sweep of secular humanism and naturalism and evolutionary theory, you know, we evolved from lucky slime, yeah, right, I'm, a I'm trained as a scientist, let me tell you how foolish that is, and, 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 um, you know, materialism and immorality and just on decade after decade, the tree of God consciousness has literally been cut down. Tonight, it's just about a tree stump and that's all it is in our nation. And, and most people in our nation are not God conscious. Or if they are God conscious, it could be a wrong God. But there is hope. And Job 14, verse 7 to 9 says, if a tree is cut down, there is hope that it will sprout again. And though its roots have grown old in the earth and its stump decays, yet at the scent of water, it may bud and sprout again like a new seedling. The scent of water, the scent of the Holy Spirit can awaken God consciousness in people. And we were, because we minister in the United Kingdom quite a lot, we were there some years ago in the city of Nottingham, and we thought, well, this is Robin Hood country, we've got to go to Sherwood Forest. So Greta and I headed off to Sherwood Forest, and we were wandering around, we didn't see Robin Hood, there was a little man in green tights running around pretending to be him, but he wasn't the real deal. But we came across an oak tree that had been cut down to a stump, and we've got a picture coming up. And, and that's Greta standing on the stump, just to give you a perspective of size. And you can see what's happened. This stump has sprouted again, new branches. It's like it had been, it looked dead, but it sprouted. God consciousness may look dead in our nation, but it can sprout again. It may look dead in your family. You may have loved ones. They're not interested in God. But how many know God can take a God hater and make them into a God lover? 
God can take someone far distant from him, not interested in the things of God, and suddenly they're very interested in wanting to get to know God. He is in the transformation business. When my first wife, Jane, passed away, um, my, one of my sons and I did a bit of a world trip, just a kind of a recovery trip, and we went to San Francisco, and we had a couple of days there, and we decided we would catch a ferry out to Alcatraz Island. Anyone heard of Alcatraz? It's this famous prison in uh, San Francisco Harbor. They reckon no one's ever escaped, but who knows? And anyway, we get on the ferry, and just as we're boarding, I noticed this young couple and they've got a, maybe a two, three-year-old daughter, and they're just interacting really nicely with the little girl. And I thought, oh, that's a really nice family. And then we go out to Alcatraz, and we're doing the prison tour, and, and they sort of, we, I sort of bump into, we bump into them a couple of times more, don't talk to them or anything. I thought, there's that family again. Then we come back down to the ferry to go back to San Francisco, and my son and I, we sit in the front row of the ferry because we want a good view of the city sailing back, and they come and sit right behind us. And so when all that happens, you've got to ask the Holy Spirit, and I did it, what's up, Lord? I've seen these, this couple four times now, and they're sitting right behind me. You know what he said to me straight away? Tell them they're good parents. And I said, but Lord, I don't even know they're Christians. They don't look like they're Christians. How can I just tell them they're good parents? So as we're sailing back, I'm listening to them have a conversation, and I detect an English accent, because when you're in America, a different accent really stands out. So there's an English accent going there. So we dock, and we, and we stand, all of us stand up. And I quickly turn around. I said, excuse me, are you from England? They said, yes, we are. I said, well, we're from New Zealand. Well, it was like long-lost cousins meeting, you know. It was like colonials in the mother country. Here we are, and they, they were thrilled, and, and we just got chatting a little bit about what we were all doing. And then I said this to them. I said, look, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I'm a Christian, and I think I believe God wants you to know you're doing a really good job as parents. Well, her eyes teared up. He stuck out his hand and shook my hand and said, thank you so much. And then they said, if you're ever in Birmingham, come and have a meal with us. I thought I'll never be in Birmingham, and I never took their address details. We have ministered in Birmingham every year for 10 years. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> who, who knew? But I have absolute faith. I'm going to see them in the kingdom of God. I have a gift of faith for that young couple. Why? Because in that simple statement, a droplet of water was put into their life and it awakened a consciousness of God because the kindness of God leads people to repentance. Sometimes we don't need to point out a person's sin. We need to point out how good and kind God is and how much he wants to forgive us. And, and I just really felt like something sprouted that day in their life. I believe that, as long with Greta, that there's a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit coming for the church of Jesus Christ across the earth to awaken God consciousness in others. Greta's talked about fire. Fire is coming. Uh, we're talking about a spiritual fire here. If you want to define it, it's like a, a spiritual fire is like a passion. It's like a power in our lives. When we talk about the fire of God coming, burning in us, it's like a fresh passion, a fresh love for Him and for, his, for people and, and a power in our lives. And I, I really sense God's going to release spiritual fire, particularly in two main areas. One is in prayer. 
and the other is in mission. And by mission, I don't mean you're going to go and be a missionary in Japan. Uh, you might do. But mission means walking across the street to your neighbor. Mission means walking across the classroom to that fellow student. Mission means walking across the office floor to that co-worker. Mission is reaching out to people all around us. It may be that you go to the ends of the earth. It might be that you just go to the end of your street. But mission is reaching people for Jesus. And we need fire to do it. And that's why Jesus said to the disciples, stay in the city until you receive power from on high. He just told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Then he says, don't go anywhere till you get power from on high. The worst thing is for religious Christians to try and win others to the Lord because all you'll give them is religion. But when you get empowered by the Holy Spirit, you'll let them know there's a God of love in heaven. They'll want that God. They don't want religion. They don't want rules and regulations. They want to know there's a God that loves them, that forgives them. And if they receive Jesus into their life, he can transform them, break their sexual addictions, their drug addictions, their problems, that whatever it is, he can give them a new start because my Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. He makes all things new. And one or two of you tonight, you feel like that tree stump. You feel like, man, I've got no life of God in me. Listen, you're here tonight, not by accident. You're here for God to give you an injection of his grace so that your tree stump might start to grow. Now that fire of prayer and mission is so that the first half of the Lord's Prayer might be fulfilled. We're going to put the Lord's Prayer up on the screen. We, many of us know. Should we say that together? This is the Lord's Prayer. Let's all say it together. Here we go. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Many of us know this. Many have recited it. It's, the disciples heard Jesus praying one day, and they were so impacted by listening to Jesus pray. They said, Lord, teach us to pray, and that's what he taught them. Well, this is how you should pray, and he taught them that. And many of us have uh, recited that. We know it by heart. But listen, I don't believe Jesus was so much teaching us a prayer to recite as meaningful as that can be, he was actually teaching us a pattern to follow. And if you look at the second half of the Lord Prayer, it's all about you and I having our needs met. Give us our, this day our daily bread. It's provision, finance, housing, jobs, vehicles, whatever you need for daily living, Father God wants to provide. It's provision. The next bit, forgive our sins. It's praying for purity. God wants you to be a pure person. Uh, the third bit, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's praying for protection, provision, purity, protection. It's all about you and me having our needs met. The tragedy is, for most of the modern church, we have been trapped in the second half of the Lord's Prayer. Our prayer lives have been reduced down to having our needs met. And Jesus put the first part of the Lord's Prayer at the top for a reason, because that should be the priority. And the first part of the Lord's Prayer is all about His needs being met. 
his, his knee, he, he wants to be worshipped. But more than that, it means he wants his name glorified throughout the earth. He, hallowed means honoured, glorified. He wants the name of Jesus lifted up. When we begin to pray, God, let your name be honoured throughout the earth. Let the name of Jesus be glorified throughout the earth. And when we begin to pray that his kingdom would come to earth, his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what the kingdom of God is? The Bible says it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. How many nations could do with righteousness, peace, and joy tonight? How many families could do with that? And it's not a matter, the kingdom's not a matter of talk, but of power. Where's the power? Where are the miracles? Where are the healings? Where are the demons being cast out? Because I tell you what, if the next generation grow up with religion, they'll quickly move away from God when they get to university or whatever. They need to experience the power of God. Uh, one of the psalmists says, don't let me depart until I declare your power to the next generation. Pastors, are you teaching your people religion or are you bringing the presence of God and the power of God into your church? Say, I don't know how to get that. Yeah, get on your knees. The more you get on your knees, pastor, the more power you will have in this thing the more power and authority you will have to lead. Your preaching in public will only be as powerful as your praying in secret. And I'm challenging myself as much as I'm challenging you. See, I get to fly, well, not fly out. We get to go on Tuesday, so we leave Tom with the difficulty of, say, that man insulted us. And <laughs> I'm challenging you. The Holy Spirit is calling the church globally to move from the second half of the Lord's Prayer into the first half. It doesn't mean we're not going to pray for our needs. But didn't Jesus say, if you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, all these other things will be yours as well? When we make his priority our priority, then all that other stuff's just going to happen. We need to get back to the upper room again. What did they have in the upper room that attracted an outpouring of the Spirit? They had unity and they had prayer. That attracted. And I wonder whether the churches in this city, if you could create, and you've already got this amazing unity, but if you could add to it a prayer dynamic, I wonder what could happen in your churches and across the city. We can all step up into a greater level of prayer. How many have heard of Hudson Taylor? Hudson Taylor was a great British missionary, lived in the 1800s. Uh, he was a missionary to China, and he had a huge and powerful ministry in China, and, and you know, a lot of the modern missionary movements, you know, he, he birthed one of them. But at age 23, God gave him a vision. This was 1855. Hudson Taylor was age 23, and God gave him a profound vision, and he wrote it down, and this is what he said. I have seen a vision. I saw in this vision a great war that encompasses the world. I saw this war recede and then start again, actually being two wars. World War I, World War II. After this, I saw much unrest and revolts that will affect many nations. I saw in some places spiritual awakenings. In Russia, I saw there will come a general, all-encompassing national spiritual awakening that will spread to many European countries. Then I saw a global awakening followed by the coming of Christ. I don't know how you pray about Russia tonight. I'm praying, God, take them out of Ukraine. Bless Ukraine. But what I'm careful to pray is pour your spirit out on Russia because the prophetic words of 
we got a Russian in the audience? We haven't. <laughs> uh, but of yet. Uh, God looks at things differently. He was right about World War I and World War II, wasn't he? 1855. The first World War was 1914. That's nearly 60 years later. World War II, another 20 years after World War, uh, 21 years after World War I ends. He was right about that. I wonder if he could be right about the rest of it. I wonder if what he saw could come to pass. And yet every prophecy is an invitation to intercession because just because it's said doesn't mean it will happen. It's only when the church takes it and prays it into being. And so I believe, and Greta believes, this is going to be a global outpouring of the Spirit if the church prays. But I'm also of the belief we don't want to wait for a global outpouring because we can have a bit of an outpouring here tonight. And in a moment, Greta and I are going to ask for the Holy Spirit to come and release His anointing afresh on every single person here tonight. And you know what? If you're hungry, and if you've got some faith tonight to believe that God could do that, you're going to attract the touch of the Holy Spirit to you. And our prayer, we've waited on the Lord this afternoon for a few hours. Our prayer has been that everyone will leave this building with just a greater touch of the Holy Spirit on your life. You'll be carrying a greater scent of Holy Spirit water. St. Paul had a partner in their mission. His name was Barnabas. You know what the Bible says about Barnabas? And I'm closing with this. Acts 11, 24. It says, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. As I look around the room tonight, there are many, many good people here tonight. You're good people. But that's not enough to touch this town. We have to be good people, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith.